Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Max Gerardo. I am a certainly a car enthusiast and lucky to also be in the car world, car dealer, although I don't like to say dealer, but, uh, but, but car dealer and generally love cars. My wife always says to me, how can you work with cars all weekend and then on weekends you watch racing? What's, what's wrong with you? So that, that, that gives you a summary of who I am. The Driven Chat Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Hello there and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast. My name is John Markar and sat beside me is... It's Miles Lacey. I'm here again. I've not been sacked just yet. <laughs> I like that every every episode you start with this assumption that maybe I don't like you to might not be anything. here. I don't like to assume anything, but uh, <laughs> assuming that I could be kicked off the team is, is a strong assumption. <laughs> it's all right. We're all waiting for this weird fantasy world to crumble. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just how we all live our lives, isn't it? Um, Max Gerardo, welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. Well, thank you very much. Quite, uh, quite excited, quite looking forward to it. We made it. We, <laughs> we made a few, it. Uh, few, few change of dates, but we made it. We did, we, we did. did right? And can I start by saying, uh, ciao Max, piacere. Oh, che bravo. Parla anche italiano, ma che bravo. Go on, Miles, carry on. <laughs> I was going to say, has he been practicing that all week? <laughs> can you tell I've been practicing that all the way here? <laughs> Is that why you've got Duolingo? I love Duolingo. It's great. I started Duolingo this week, just in case you didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to do a full podcast in Italian. Maybe next time. <laughs> Shall we? Do you want to do French instead? Is that easier for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, French. On peut commencer en français, si tu veux. Anyway, I'm just going to show myself the door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's worth mentioning, actually. We, we arrived this morning. We're going to set the scene of where we are. We are at 
Gerardo and uh, Gerardo and Co, um, which is, happens to be your home, but also where your business is based. We've been into what was affectionately described by Alex over there, who's sitting silently in the corner, as the cattle shed, <laughs> which is definitely not full of cattle anymore. It's full of some of the most incredible road cars and racing cars we've ever seen. Um, but yeah, a, a truly beautiful place. But whilst we were in there, just having a quick look around, I saw that, I don't know if it was a customer or a prospective that was there on FaceTime to somebody speaking French, just handed you the phone and you just kept cracked on in French. <laughs> I was very impressed. I'd say that's one of the, the great sort of advantages in, in our world is that, uh, that yeah, I'm lucky enough to speak four languages. Uh, so, and, and I, I wish I could say that, you know, it was all through my hard work. I was just lucky to grow up in the right country at the right time, learning the right language. And, and, you know, it's been great. Like I can, yeah, I'm lucky. I can speak to people from all over the world. Perfect. Yeah, really cool. Well, I definitely want to explore those early stages and ultimately what's got you to where you are now. So a good way to start is one of our favorite questions we like to ask is, do you have a core memory, something as far back as you can remember? It might be as a small child or as a young adult, but something that might have happened that switched on the light that's ultimately got you to where you are now. Something that switched on lights. I mean, you know, uh, it definitely comes from my dad. Um, he was always super passionate uh, about cars. And, and we, I grew up until I was about, uh, uh, about 12 or 14 years old in Southeast Asia. So, you know, Thailand, Indonesia, Hong Kong, there isn't very many cars. You know, can you imagine the, the, the 80s in, uh, in Bangkok? It's not like you could go buy a, 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 an old car. It was like tuk-tuks, really. Mm. So that's quite difficult to get passionate about cars with tuk-tuks. Yeah. However... We would come back to Italy, but my family's from Italy. We'd come back to Italy every summer, religiously. Um, and uh, and this will make you laugh. We had a, a Fiat Ritmo, which I think in the UK is called a Bra... Brava? Brava, maybe, in oh, the UK? Oh, Bravo. Oh, Bravo. Fiat yes. Ritmo. The, from the like slightly the... bigger Punto. No, 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 before that. It's got a different name. Estrada, it's called in the Estrada, UK. right. Have, 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 yeah, it rings a bell. Does it ring a bell? They've all rusted away. That's why there's none here. Yes, none. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we have the Abarth version. Oh, 100, wow. Look at the memories. 130 horsepower. And in Turin, there is one road, and I was about eight years old, there's one road that's got sort of, sort of humps in it. I mean, big, like humps, yeah. like sort of an overpass. Uh -huh. But the, the angle of the overpass was quite good. And what got me really started is my dad... Flooring at 130 horsepower in a, in a hot hatch. Flooring mm. it is all relative. Um, uh, and going over these these two humps in uh, in uh, in Turin on the outskirts of Turin. And I thought we would take off. We were obviously not taking off. I was like a little, and you know, I would sort of move off of the seat. But it got me. I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. We need to do more. My dad used to do some rallying, and so uh, and when and so I was like, well, tell me more. And that's those those big sort of overpasses. That's in a in a in a Fiat. Ritmo, as it was called, but here is Strada. 130TC, just in case you're wondering about the model, that's where it all, uh, all started. Too much detail? No, no, no. <laughs> Trust me, there'll be somebody listening that goes, oh, yes. yes, yes oh, yes. Perfectly oh, yes. visualizing <laughs> And most people go, oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's such a... I love that you've told that story, though, because I, I'm sure we can all recall being a very small child and being the back of a car going over a humpback bridge and it's a feeling that I don't think is easy or as easy to replicate as an adult once we get a bit heavier and wider <laughs> that weightless feeling of going over a hump which probably lasted for half a second but your stomach would lift out of its position and you'd go back down and you'd all have a giggle in the back with your brothers and sisters and be like well I can tell you look it's, it's, it's I'm trying to pass the, uh, the passion on to the family so my son who's 10 uh, and uh, plays football I genuinely don't think he actually enjoys that much. I like sort of make him play just because he should have a sport. Anyway, the only reason why I can get him to go to football on Tuesday, Tuesday evenings is because on the way to football, there is one of those humps over one of the bridges. <laughs> and so 
as long as we can try and get as much air, um, I, I notice I'm getting more and more brave. Um, <laughs> so I might, I might have to tone it down now. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're starting to get some good uh, good speed. I might. I think the next stage is going to have someone on the other side at the end of the lane to make sure no one's coming, and we're really going to go for it. That's right. Yeah. Or a little GoPro by the side of the road yeah. to, to see if you get any air. So if if, you, if you read any headlines in the Oxford newspaper, then uh, you know it's probably not gone too well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, that's great. Um, so, yeah, let's try and paint the picture of where we are, because this is a, a beautiful setting. As you've alluded to, we're in the gorgeous Oxfordshire countryside um, on what was, I'm guessing, quite a busy farm once upon a time. It was, yeah, yeah. When we, when we bought it, it was definitely a, a busy farm. There was definitely a farmer here. There was 50 head of cattle, um, wow. and they were all sort of out. And, 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 and to be fair, the guy that we got it from was a great multitasker. 50 head of cattle, and also he was, like, director of some telecommunications company as well uh, from like the brain center over there on the other side of the farm wow. so it was a but it was yeah definitely a working working farm Amazing. pretty smelly and you'd never know now would you I mean Miles and I have wandered around we currently sat in what was one of the barns by the looks of things now a beautiful office the the affectionately named cattle shed that we walked into full of racing cars you would never in a million years suspect that there had been herds of cows in there Not doing, all, doing no. what cows do there's uh it, it's one of those um it's one of those pleasures where you walk in because you've got no real idea it's here and then this door opens and it reveals what is there which is these unicorn cars and an absolute incredible collection of them together yeah well it's quite it's quite nice because you said we were this was a, was an old barn and actually there was a manor house just down the road when you turned onto our lane um uh, and uh sort of ascot park and it burned down but this actual building um, uh, was the sort of the carriage house, was where the, where the, the manor house used to keep the horses here in this, in, this, in this barn. And I guess it was sort of, you know, 200 years ago, the horses were like the cars. So yeah. it's quite a nice sort of connection. So uh, We're uh, in the garage. We're in the garage. Yeah. We're in the garage. Lovely. There we go. I wonder what the, uh, what the equivalent of that period was to a LaFerrari back then. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably a carriage with, I would say, like six or eight horses. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, um, Pulling it, and, and a very brave man sitting in the back. <laughs> <laughs> if you floor a LaFerrari, you also have to be pretty brave. Exactly. <laughs> well, on the subject of brave men, I mean, as we arrived this morning, we've, you very successfully have clearly sold a LaFerrari, um, and we watched the painful task of reversing that onto a trailer, which I don't envy that at all. That's just, I just couldn't possibly do it. It's even better when you've got an audience of people watching know, as well. Filming. Yeah. And, and filming, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 a, and a transport driver going... No, no, I meant this way. No, no, yeah. left. No, 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 I meant right. Sorry, did I say left or right? And then I got out of the car and he's like, oh, I'm very impressed you followed my instructions. I was like, so am I. <laughs> I, like, oh, I can't see out the back. My he's favorite like, thing. Oh, like a real racing driver. I was like, well, I'm not like a real racing driver. <laughs> my favorite thing is as he was giving the directions, pointing in two directions at the same time, he then said, I'm not really paying attention. What am I doing? <laughs> Your only job. And you're not doing it. Don't worry, it's almost close to three million pounds that we're trying to load onto a trailer. Wow. You know, what is three million amongst mm. friends? There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the cars that you've got here because we've seen, we've had a quick look around. We've seen a good selection of cars in the big main room. We've also had a quick look into the, the unseen section of that room as well. Where I know you've got a few cars in there that you own personally. There's a few cars in there that are in storage. But the majority of what's here. Is it fair to say this is stock that's for sale? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, so we very much take the the, the, the actually the, everything that you see in the in the showroom is is for sale. Um, I think that uh, that people should come here and there there's no like oh maybe oh maybe let me see if I can get it. No, if it's here, it's here yeah. because uh, because we're representing either we own it 
or we're representing the car on behalf of, uh, of, of an over owner. And so the idea is that, yeah, it's for sale. Apart from, as you said, the back room, if you want to call it, um, where it's funny. It's like, you know, it's like when you have a dinner party and you have a party, you invite everyone to your house and you say, okay, everyone can be in the living room and all the buggers want to go into the kitchen. Yeah. Why do you want to hang out in the yeah, kitchen? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So that back room is like the kitchen. Everyone just wants to like, can we just go and see what's there? But yeah. I spent hours positioning the cars <laughs> in the showroom. <laughs> Why do you want to see them on racks? <laughs> oh, no, no, this is the special stuff's in here. It is, it <laughs> is. It's like forbidden fruit. It's a nice almost. kitchen though. Yeah, yeah, there we go, there we go. Yeah, no, it is. No, there are some cars in there. I made some notes, so let me know if there's anything I list here which we definitely can't talk about. But there are a few things that I couldn't help but just make a note of because they're things I definitely want to talk about. Um, a good solid collection of rally cars in there. So yeah, yeah, secret. That's that's our, that's our secret pleasure. That's our. Yeah. What is it? Uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Red. What is it? The the, the red room, the dark room. What's it oh, called? The safe room. What's yeah. it called? Yeah. The pleasure room. The pleasure room. Yeah, there we go. The rally cars are in the pleasure room. Got we that. don't like to tell anyone about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to list off some of these cars, we've got a, Lan a Lancia Delta Integrale, which. Uh, I think Alex pointed out one of the most successful rally cars ever. Is that? Yeah, I mean that's the that Deltona is the only double winner. So you've got to you know sort of cast your mind back early nineties works effort from uh, from Lancia and the World Rally Championship, and pretty much it would be one or at most two races for the car, and then build a new one, like new mm. shell, new everything. It was no no expense spared. So so that car that you saw there is the only double winner. Um, in the final year of the, of the Lancer Delta. So it won uh, Finland and Australia with Didier Oriol, who was a world champion in that, uh, in that year. So, uh, that's cool. Really yeah, cool, that's isn't pretty, it? Pretty, pretty good history on that. And then there was also, I noticed, a Impreza WRX and a Celica WRX. Yeah, so there's, uh, there's the, the Toyota belongs to a really good client of ours. Who's, uh, so we've got clients from all over the world. So the Toyota, for example, belongs to a really good client of ours in Argentina. Um, it's not so easy to get cars into uh, into Argentina, mm. so uh, so it, we have the pleasure of uh, of housing it, homing it here. Uh, the Subaru, as you probably know, I've got a bit of a soft spot for rally cars and yeah. Subarus. I mean, it's just so much. So that's mine. Um, it's just so much, so much fun to drive. Like if if it, all the clients that we've had that I've managed to get into the seat of a Subaru, I'd say everyone's then bought one. It's it's, uh, it's just it's 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 a great it's a great drive, especially if you come from because we all sort of talk about you know rally uh, sorry circuit cars or supercars or hypercars and then you get into a world rally car of that era and i have to say it's something it, it is it just makes you smile i'm not saying it's necessarily the fastest or it's very fast and it's in the right conditions but it just makes you smile it's just it's I think it's everything, isn't it? It's it's the it's the little noises, it's the little nuances, everything, gearboxes whining, all that kind of thing. It's a it's an entirely different experience to driving a fast road car. Yeah, exactly right. And the best bit, it's road registered. I mean, they're all road registered, so you know we can we can we can get in the car now, fire it up, and we'll go to the pub. All right, and it's we'll got a hydraulic handbrake. We'll see you there. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when we get to the pub, <laughs> hydraulic handbrake on. <laughs> Nothing like parking up in a pub car park sideways yeah. with all four wheels locked up. That's what you want. Um, there were two, also in that little secret kitchen pleasure room, uh, two 300 SLs. I noticed one a convertible with a hard top roof, but the one parked next to it caught my eye because... It, it had that little clue of being quite a special car. The later wheels, the later steering wheel, this is, and correct me if I'm wrong, this 6.3 litre engine kind of like continuation car. I can't remember what Mercedes, Mercedes called them. So, yeah, no. So, uh, so, you, so you were doing so well until you got to the end of the bit and you said Damn continuation it. car. But, but up to then, you, I was like, God, this guy's this good. Knows. <laughs> like, nobody knows what that is. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. this is really yeah. good. So that's a, that's a, it's a super, super cool car. Um, and it's actually quite cool to have the, 300, the original yeah. 300 SL Roadster parked there, like super rare spec, one of the, 
sort of only 38 with uh, with uh, with rudge wheels. So I don't know if you had the, the center lock wheels. It's a really rare, restored by the Mercedes-Benz factory um, uh, for the current owner. Um, that's a car that's been sold. We're just waiting for it to be ready to be shipped to America. And then next to it, as you saw, is a 300SL, an original 300SL, but it's been it's been restored and re is the term the fashionable term what's the term now reimagined mm -hmm. is that for I think so months? yeah so you got to cast your mind back so not two, this is the year 2000 the Sultan of Brunei if you uh, if you guys remember about the Sultan he was buying cars left right and center and one of the things he wanted is he wanted 300 SL gold wings but with modern running gear mm. so most people would go to a Mercedes specialist or so on but what the Sultan did is he went to Mercedes Benz and Mercedes-Benz, and can you imagine, Mercedes-Benz said, yeah, okay, we'll do it. So they built 10 cars for him. Wow. So they are original 300 SLs, goings, original chassis, original body. They've taken all the running gear out, and then they put, uh, that's right, like the, the, the Mercedes-Benz 2000 V8 Gosh. engine, transmission, um, uh, uh, rear axle, brakes, and then hence you see the bigger wheels, because it's got the bigger brakes, so they had to put uh, uh, bigger, bigger wheels. Yeah. Completely redid a sort of a modern interior, Right-hand drive, so obviously a 300 SL going doesn't exist in, uh, in, in right-hand drive. And in 2000, so a couple of cool things. First of all, super cool that Mercedes will never, ever, ever do it again. Like, never, ever no do chance. it again. And actually, if you think about it, he was sort of ahead of his time in a way, because now Singer and, and, yeah. and, 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 and Futurista and, and, you know, Alphaholics GTA, there's loads of restaurants. Yeah, but yeah. he got the Mercedes-Benz factory to, uh, to, to do it. They were being built... This is the same year of the CLK GTRs, the road cars. And we've got pictures of that car being built next to one of the CLK, because the CLKs were hand-built as well, yeah. next to the CLK That's GTRs. That's unreal. Mercedes-Benz charged them $1 million for each conversion. He ordered 10, plus buying a Gullwing, uh, a Gullwing donor car. And this was at a time when, if you, if you remember, if you know, there was a point where his brother said, whoa, 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 you're spending billions. You spent hundreds of million dollars like a month. Enough. Stop. Yeah. Shut the tap off. No more. No more like you bought Aspreys. You like you've bought the Dorchester. You're buying all these cars. Enough. So two of these cars never actually got delivered. They, they because because Brunei never paid for them. They never got. They stayed and they got sold then to very good sort of VIP clients wow. of uh, of, uh, of Mercedes Benz. So they're out sort of out in the wild. There's another eight in Brunei, and there's two or three. We don't really know because nobody knows exactly how many. Could be ten. Could be eleven that were built. So there's two or three. That are uh, that are out in the uh, in the in the wild. And it's actually it's a, it's a it's really interesting because it's a polarizing car. Mm. Some people come in and think, oh, how could you ever do that? Some people think, what a what a what a cool thing. Like but he was fact. yeah he was oh, actually yeah. sort of out of out of his mind, but actually yeah. ahead of his time. I so think that's the fact quite cool. That it's been done by Mercedes as well. You know yeah. that's the difference. By a, I'll, I'll top that by Mercedes by AMG by exactly yeah. you know yeah. it's all done by uh, by AMG they'll uh, they will guarantee they will never ever ever do that uh, again no for, uh, for for anyone but well, they, they did it for him well they was what, my previous line of work I used to work for Bentley Motors and their special engineering uh, section was funded for a long time for building cars for the Sultan Brunei a bit before my time. But um, it, but it, the it, most incredible one-offs that they just they would put all of their time in engineering and their best engineers onto building one or maybe five cars just for him. And is it interesting that sort of back then in 2000, I thought he was mad, and now if you think about it, resto mods are yeah. all the rage. One-off cars now you can go to Rolls Royce, you know, the swept tail or mm. or Ferrari. You can have a, a tailor-made car. You can have a, you can have a, what they call a one-off program. Actually, it was it was it's interesting. Like now we've. 
we've the people, the market has kind of followed on his tracks. Yeah. But yeah, so that's a pretty interesting, rare car um, that you will definitely not, I say definitely, never say never, but unlikely you'll see one again. It's definitely something I've only ever seen in photographs. And to walk in and see the wheels and then see the steering wheel, it was like, oh, okay, this is the real deal. So yeah, it is. It's a, it's a unicorn car. I think that's a, that's definitely the, the right word to use. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, we're so quite happy so to have uh, clapped eyes on it. Uh, as we look round as well, I notice an awful lot of uh, Lancia memorabilia and whatnot around the place. Yeah, so that, that's uh, so my family's Italian. Um, I, you know, you know, we 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 as as Italians, we tend to gravitate to, uh, towards Italian cars. My dad was a very very amateur, very amateur rally driver. But so so growing up, you know, once we went over those 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 humps in the uh, in the in the Fiat Ritmo 130 TC. Um, uh, it was sort of rallying was in, I guess, not, not saying my blood, but I heard all the rally stories and, you know, you, I sort of took, learned from my dad and, and Lancia for him was like the, the thing to have, mm. you know, if you grow up in Italy, you don't, no, there's nothing wrong with an RS 200 or nothing wrong with a, with a, with a, with an Audi at all. Mm. However, you know, you want, you want an Italian car. So, uh, so I'd say Lancia is really, is, is, is a brand that. No, it's not particularly in, in fashion, probably, but it is a brand that I uh, that I quite like. Yeah, they are they are really cool. I have a very amazing memory. Once upon a time, previous life, running car tours all over Europe, and we used to do a lot in Italy, a lot with the Ferrari factory. And talking to one of the engineers from Ferrari, he'd been there many many years, and he said there are two cars you can drive here because our group, a load of Brits that had brought their cars over for this road trip, had a collection of all different brands and. People from the factory would come out and have a look and go, oh, Aston Martin, pff, Lamborghini, pff, Mercedes, and ah, well, Ferrari here and Ferrari here, right? Those are important. And talking to one of the engineers, he said, there are only two makes of car that you could quite happily crash through a school playground in and nobody would even bat an eye He said, the first is a Ferrari of any variety and the second is a Lancia Rally car. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to test that. It's, uh, it's a pretty bold claim to I think I do that feel like doing that, though, then. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You'll make the headlines if you're in anything other than a Ferrari and a Lancia. Otherwise, it's just an accident. These things happen. Um, also in that little room, and we'll then we'll step out, there are two other cars that I want to mention in that room. Firstly... A glorious Ferrari Daytona, which, again, the story of this blew my mind, so do fill in any gaps you can here, but a one-owner car with only, I think, 7,000 miles? Yeah, isn't that unbelievable? Isn't that unbelievable? So so ordered by uh, a uh, a family that's uh, based in in Wales, ordered by them through to, uh, from Marinello Concessionaires, but specified in left-hand drive, Mm. because they had a house in Tuscany. And so the idea was that the Daytona was bought in the UK, because that's where they they live, but but ordered in left-hand drive to keep to drive back and forth or keep at the, at the, at the house in Tuscany. And, uh, and they've owned it since new. So early plexiglass version, good color, sort of, oh, I say good color, silver with black, which is nice, it's not mm. red. Uh, and it's been in their collection or in their garage ever, ever since new. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? It's amazing. And I'm guessing it didn't do many of those trips back and forth to Tuscany. Well, no, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> I guess it, I, either it, stayed, it went to Tuscany once and then, and then stayed there and they didn't use it very much or, uh, or it didn't do very much uh, going back, yeah. and, uh, back and forth. They, they probably got scared with seeing the fuel bills. I drove it to Tuscany yes. once. I thought, Jesus, how much can I do? <laughs> yeah. How much does fuel does this thing yeah, drink? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a bit of arm pump because they're a bit they're a bit physical to drive. <laughs> they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they are. Not good for people with tennis elbow or is it squash elbow? That's yeah, not, a, not yeah. a good car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last car that I want to talk about in that room, which is probably then also going to unlock by proxy a few other memories and, and some stories we want to delve into is a, a rather special Alfa Romeo that was parked up in the corner there. It's the, the SZ um, 
affectionately named uh, Il Monstra. Yeah. Because, of course, it's a, one of those cars that some people look at and see beauty, and others look at and go, ooh, that's Ugh. a different-looking car. But that is a car with a particularly good story, and I'm going to let you take the lead on why the, why the story is so good with that particular this, car. Is that, is that why you were so polite about it when you said some people think, oh, that's an interesting-looking <laughs> car? Oh, you actually truth, quite like it. Yeah. I, the truth them. is that people say, God, it's ugly. What happened there? <laughs> I genuinely genuinely love them I think they are so, I, I, I'm not going to call it a pretty car because it's not a pretty car but there's just something about it there's, it looks so unique doesn't it that bank of headlights at the front three lights on either side that flat squared back at the end it's so kind of like brutalist it's an amazing looking thing um, but yes, tell us the story of that car because yeah, it, look, that, it's a that story one is, uh, is, uh, is 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 uh, is really special. So, well, let me tell you the the, the, the second half first, then I'll tell you mm. the first half. So, uh, I was coming back from Spa with uh, with a with a friend of mine. Um, I like to make it sound super glamorous, but I was actually doing the Fun Cup 25 hours in Perfect. the Volkswagen Beetles. <laughs> if uh, I should have said I was doing like Nurburgring 24, and uh, I was in a GT3 Works uh, BMW. Anyway, driving back, I think from people would be more excited about the Fun Cup. Ooh, yeah, yeah, 25 hours in the Fun Cup. The only, just a small parenthesis, the only race I've ever done where you come out of your stint, come out of the, and the team has a keg there, and every time you get out of the car, they hand you a beer. Love that. This is great. This is this is my this is this is Love this is great. That. And then you go for a massage. Uh, so um, <laughs> I was coming back from uh, uh, from Spa uh, with uh, some friends, and uh, Matt, one of my, my really good friends, is like, "Oh, you know, your birthday's coming up. What do you want for your birthday?" And I was like, "I don't. don't he didn't buy my car. Uh, don't, don't want anything for my birthday." He's like, "Oh, you're such a pain. You never say. You always say. You always like. You know, whatever you want. You always get yourself all, all the things. What am I going to get you?" And I said, "Tell you what, Matt. I tell you what. I'm something for my birthday. Because I, I was looking through some old old pictures. I said my dad had an Alfa Romeo SZ, um, and I remember." you know, when I was 17 years old, going with him to the dealership, to the Alfa Romeo dealership. And, you know, he was, he was, we went to look at the Alfa Romeo Z and you couldn't, there was one there in the, in the, in the dealership. You couldn't buy one at the time. They were all supposed to be all sold. 1989, you know, this was yeah. the, the hype. And then after that, we went to the Porsche dealership, you know, and was he going to buy a 911? This is like his, his, uh, his like big purchase to buy a new car, 911 Turbo. What do we get? Um, and then after a lot of a lot of debating, actually, wasn't that much debating. He's like, right, let's try and buy the, uh, the SZ. And the dealer did such a good job on my dad. I mean, so good. He's like, oh, they're all sold. Impossible to get one. <laughs> I mean, however, for a small premium, you can go. So I remember we went back with a brown envelope. With, uh, I was living in Switzerland, in Geneva at the time, with 10,000 Swiss francs. Wow. In the, uh, it was 100,000 Swiss francs to buy the car. And there was 10,000 Swiss francs in a, uh, in, a brown, uh, in a brown envelope. Handed it over, and, uh, and, and, uh, and he bought the car. And, and then... And then you know, sort of lost, lost track of the car. So I said to Matt, I said, you know, why do you, why do you find my dad's old as that thinking? Wow. Impossible. Yeah. Like, how, how are you going to find, like, there's, there's a thousand cars. You know, I know the number, it's number 949. Um, uh, so, uh, so, so about 18 months later, he called me up and he's like, dude, dude. I was like, what's up, Matt? Found the car. No. I was like, no way. Yeah, I found the car. It's in Holland. Here it is. So, uh, so he, he sends me the, the phone number and I called the guy. I was like, really? Like that's, and it turned out that it was chassis number ended up in nine four nine, but not actually the car number. So I was like, oh Jesus! I was actually quite excited. Uh, anyway, a year goes by again, uh, lost hope, and two and a half years later, he calls me up. He's like, this time, I've really found the car. Oh, car number nine four nine, not the chassis number that ends in uh, in nine four nine. I was like, no way, no way. He's like, I promise you. Here's the pictures. Here's the car. I was like, where is it? So it's in Germany. Um, uh, and so, uh, so I called up the, um, uh, the it, was, it, was, it was with an Alfa Romeo dealer. 
he had owned it for like 10 years and it was, it was actually not for sale. It was, uh, he found it on some forum or some meeting. So, uh, so I explained to him the story. I was like, look, it was my dad's car. Um, and, uh, and being a good sort of German dealer, he probably thought, ha, uh-huh. oh, yeah. <laughs> not for sale, yeah? <laughs> you know, this is my favorite. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, God, maybe yeah, for a little, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but it was great. And I said, uh, I said you know, we, I managed to agree that he would sell me the car and I, and I, and I bought it. And then I called my friend Matt and I was like, can't thank you enough. That's the most expensive birthday present I've ever had. He yeah. found me a phone number and I had to go and bloody buy the car. <laughs> um, so I bought it back and so it was my dad's car. I've got pictures of me with that car when, uh, when we collected it, when wow. I was, um, didn't even have a driving license. I remember driving it with no driving license. And, and, and what makes it even more special, oh, not even more special, also just as special, is that, is that um, let me think, so 1997, so we bought it in 89, in 1997, about 10 years later, we had it, he did about Barely ever drove it, like, so silly. Now, now, if I could change things now, we should have driven a lot more. Anyway, 2,000 miles, and I just got a job at uh, Brooks, which now has become Bonham, so the auction house. Of course, yeah. First, my first job ever, I was 19 um, uh, years old. I got sandwiches, but I was also supposed to find cars for the auctions. And I came home, I was like, Dad, my job's not going well. I can't find any cars. I don't really, like, you know. <laughs> oh, wow. And he's like, look, I'm going to sell the SZ. Like, I don't really use it. Why don't you consign that to the auction and uh, to the Nürburgring auction and, uh, and sell that. Um, that'll, be, uh, that'll get you started. So, so which I did. Um, it sold Klaus Kleofast, I'll never, never forget, at the Nürburgring auction for 50,000 Deutschmarks. We paid 100,000 Swiss francs. He did about 2,000 miles in it. Worst investment ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, they bought it back for almost list price, like almost 100,000 Swiss francs now with 56,000 kilometers. So it just goes to show, get out and drive your cars. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, so, so I, mean, I don't think it gets for me it's probably the most special car. I remember my dad buying a new. I was with him. It was we had it brand new. It's the first car, first car that I ever ever sold. I mean, I'm talking bar, not, not even like my own personal car. I can't even say, oh yeah, I had a. No, that's like the first car I ever 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 sold. So it got started, started me in this huge career, this 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 passion for for cars, and 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 now I was able to 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 buy back and 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 like to take you know my son or my daughter out in the car. And say to him, like, explain, like, you know, I mean, he probably's like, what? Yeah, what is <laughs> But <this>? however, <laughs> for me, like a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me, it's uh, it's it's hugely special. And 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 you know, people always say, like, you know, what's your favorite car? I don't know. Depends which day you ask me, or you know, which one would you never sell? And I gotta say, like that one. Well, I've got a small list of ones I've never sold, but that one's definitely like up there in you know top. pole position, the top. It doesn't get more 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 special. And then I, I was, uh, uh, last summer, I was, uh, I was in Geneva with my, uh, um, at my family's home and I found like, so terrible, terrible, it? found the original car cover. Very exciting. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which obviously not got, didn't get delivered with the, uh, uh, with the car. I found like, he had bought all these SZ books or Alfa Romeo books oh, wow. and found all those. So anyway, a bit sad, but, uh, but I, uh, I definitely, definitely very special thing to me. And, and I drive it now. Yeah. Got to drive them. That right? is, that is such an amazing story. Cause I think we can all think of parents' cars, you know, so many of us have grown up, and sometimes, you know, not as, perhaps as special as, a, as an SZ, or, you know, for, for me, it's a chocolate brown Ford Cortina, which is about as unexciting as it gets, but it's, <laughs> you know, very romantic memories of a chocolate brown Cortina growing up, um, and the, the idea that you might be able to someday find that car again, mm-hmm. I just, I, it's such a wonderful yeah, thing, it's brilliant. it's, uh, yeah, a dream for many. So, Max, tell us a little bit about this, uh, where it starts, because you go along, as you say, 19 years old, you go and work for Brooks into this crazy world of car auctions and whatnot, and you've signed your first car, it seems to go right. Yeah, it seems to go right. I mean, 
Uh, I mean, just taking one step back, I was at uh, so I so I was at school. My last school years, I was in, in Geneva, in Switzerland, and um, I was um, uh, finished school, um, signed up for university. I was going to university, but um, as a good Italian boy, I was living at home. You know, mm. don't you as, as Italian us Italians, we try not to leave home. I mean, I, yeah, it's, yeah. I was like, oh, you need to leave home. Why? Like the fridge is full. My mum does my washing, <laughs> and it's like the house Sounds is great. always clean. Yeah. Why do I want to leave? Anyway, um, uh, I got a bit of a wasn't so keen on the whole study thing, and I was working in a pub, uh, and I worked one night in a pub, and then two nights in a pub, and then I was like, wow, you could make money. I don't have any rent to pay, and it turned into five nights a week in the pub. Pubs in Geneva were closing at two o'clock in the morning. In a, needless to say, by the time you clean up, close up, but you get home at three. You definitely don't go to class at nine. <laughs> So I wasn't particularly doing very well, uh, well at, uh, at university. And, uh, and the next girlfriend of mine came to the pub and said, ah, oh, oh, I have some things to tell you. I was like, oh, shit. No, no, I thought of you the other day because she saw an ad for something to do with cars. And you love cars. So, so that's how I got, I got, I applied for a job. It was uh, at, at Brooks at the time in, in Geneva. Simon Kitson was the, uh, the head of the operation, Brooks Europe at the, wow. at the time. And, and thank God he, uh, he offered me, uh, I went for a job interview. And I don't know why, but he, but he, uh, but he offered me a job at the time. Um, uh, and I'll never forget going home to my mum because I was living at home. And I was like, mum, great news. I've been offered a job in the cars. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to work for summer. And I promise you, after summer, I won't go work. And I'll stop working in the pub. She might used to drive my mum mad working in the pub yeah. coming at three in the morning. Won't go back to the pubs anymore. I'm going to work in this job for summer. I'm going to you know, get some work experience. And then come September... I'm going to go back and uh, go back to school, go back to university properly and actually finish my degree. Of course, I never did go back <laughs> to uh, university. I, I worked there for, uh, um, for sort of almost 10 years in, uh, in Switzerland with, uh, with Simon. And Simon was great. He like, taught me, I'd say, like, gave me an opportunity. He taught me. So I'd, I'd like to say he taught me everything I know, but I can't say that because just in case he listens to this, he might get all excited <laughs> about it. He taught me a lot. <laughs> let's, let's, let's downplay it a little bit. But uh, he was a great mentor um uh and so i did uh, i did it, it all started in the in the auction business which is i was very lucky it's a great mm. great great place to uh to uh to start you know if you want to get into the world of cars because it gives you such a wide exposure to different cars different people there's an auction like every every month at the time every every couple of months so you're you're always busy and learning a lot you learn so much yeah. because of the variety of cars that you you see going through all the time love that so that's where that's where that's where it all uh it all started, and then um, uh, uh, sort of 10 years in, I thought, you know, it's time to maybe move out of my mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, what, you're sort of yeah. coming up to 30 at this point? Well, no, it's probably sooner. So I started, I got, Simon gave me my job when I was, 20, I was 19, um, uh, and I started working at, uh, at Bonhams, and I was probably, probably mm, 26 or 27, um, so I guess it is coming up to 30, isn't it? And um, I, uh, um, we had a good, funny, I don't know, he probably remembers it differently to I, but, uh, but I went for ask for a raise, and he's like, no way, I'm going to give you a raise. And I was like, uh, and sort of, you know, proud moments of negotiation. Then I got offered a, a job by Cars UK, it was a shipping logistics company. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I uh, got offered a job by them, and, you know, they were always trying to come over, come over, come over. And then uh, they made me a really good offer with, for what I thought at the time was loads of money, go live in Monaco. And so I said to Simon, I was like, you know what? Too little, too late. I've got another job offer. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> and I went off and I did um, move to Monaco, uh, South of France. Uh, lived there for three or four years, doing logistics of high-value cars. I knew all the people. I knew all the cars. Of course, yeah. It was great. It was. It seemed at the time like a load of money, and I was living in Monaco. It was great. I had a fantastic time. However, 
if you're super passionate about cars, you know, I love cars, I love people. And yeah, you get to deal with the, uh, with the people on the shipping side, but it's not the same, you know, uh, um, finding the cars, putting the, putting the deals together. I sort of, it was amazing. I'm glad that I left at the time, um, but, uh, but it wasn't quite like, you know, my, I just, I, I wanted to get back into the sales. It wasn't your calling. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't my calling. There we go. And uh, again, Simon comes back into the story. Um, never forget Retronville one day um, in Paris. We, I bumped him to the aisle and he says, yeah, those guys from RM keep trying to hire me. They were trying to hire him to open an office in, uh, in Europe, open a European operation from, from RM Auctions. And I see, he's like, I've just come out of the meeting and good that I see you because I've told Rob Myers, like, I'm not going to go work for him, but you do that. You go work for him. Wow. Um, I've recommended that they speak to you work for them for a few years and then and then let's go work to, let's come back and work with me like go and learn again and then uh, and I was like oh that's a good idea so uh so yeah so that's uh, that's it um 2007 I think it was 2006 um I left the shipping world and got back in the uh, the sales into auctions uh, RM auctions uh set up the office here in Europe um went to Canada for for six months um to sort of learn the ropes then moved to London um, and uh, and opened the uh, the office and we had our first uh, first auction was the Ferrari auction in two thousand seven. Um, had a London auction um, uh, and I stayed there until about six or seven years ago. Um, just sort of developing the auction calendar. We got Paris, Monaco, Bladeste. Became head auctioneer there. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, and and I loved it. It was amazing. Like it was a great experience. I'd do it all again. The people, the cars. Yeah. It was. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Okay. I learned so much. Phenomenal. What, and a, then, what a path. Uh, yeah. There we go. And then six years ago, I thought, you know what? You only live once. Um, uh, my, uh, funny enough, my dad had always said to me, he had five, six years ago before that, he had started his own business. He always said to me, like, yeah, I should have done it sooner. I should have done it sooner. And I always thought to myself, do I, don't I, would I like to? RM was amazing, but it was, it was getting so big. Yeah. Amazing. Like, what an amazing organization. But we were starting to get sort of, you know, we had to like hit numbers and, you know, what are the sales totals? And, and I love the cars. I like the people. I want to spend it. time with people and, and, and cars. And so my dad unfortunately passed away really suddenly. Like mm. I used to speak to him every day, spoke to him in the morning, everything was fine. And it just, I thought to myself, you know what? Things like this can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. What's the worst? And there's, there's, and there's a friend of mine said to me, there's never a good time. If you want to go out on your own, mm. it's always bad. You just had a kid. You've got a mortgage to pay. Yeah. Uh, oh, but there's one more auction. I could do that. Well, you, could wait, you could wait it's forever. never, never, never the right time. And I thought, you know what? Let's, let's give it a shot. What's yeah. the worst that can happen? I'll have to go right. and get a job with Simon Kitson again. <laughs> <laughs> not the That's worst not fault. Bad, right? So you still haven't actually taken him up on that offer, have you? No, 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 no. <laughs> He's still actually. waiting. I'm, 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 I'm keeping it just in case it all goes wrong. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, He's I'm keeping it. He's still sat there by the phone thinking, come on, I thought he said he was going to be a year. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, um, we'll cut to a short advert break in a second, but I, I love, there's a certain romance to the idea of working in that world of auctions. And I know that the world has changed dramatically modern day with online auctions and things like collecting cars coming along and shaking up the world. But there is a certain romance to the idea of being because I looked into it as well I remember vividly looking into it at that typical chapter of going what the hell am I going to do with my life what do I want to be when I grow up still don't necessarily know but the there was a certain romance with the idea of working in the world of car auctions and the cars themselves being exciting but also hearing those stories when you're consigning a car especially something a bit special 
hearing those stories, like the story of the SZ, you know, it's, they all mean something, and there might be a car that's not particularly special, but the story that comes with it is just I, you, you know what, you're, you're absolutely right, and, and I was super lucky, you know, I always say, like, you, you make your own luck, um, however, you got to get out there, and, and you got to do things, and, you know, but, but I was, I was, you, 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 I was very lucky to be in the auction world at the, I think, at the right time, uh, the market was on fire. It was great. There was no online auctions, you know, and 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 I was the auctioneer, which was which was amazing because I like I love auctioneering. Yeah. It, it was yeah. it, that's one thing I do miss. Like actually getting up there in the gavel with the gavel was uh, was was phenomenal. So I was really really lucky, and 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 my one of my best memories is actually from auctioneer cards. It, I mean, really. It, yeah, I, I, I don't have to pretend that it was uh, it was here, but just one of the things that you know, it was auctioning uh, a two seven a two seven five Nart Spider. Uh, it came from a single owner who passed away, and the family was uh, was selling it. The guy that had bought it was uh, was an orphan, a self made man, but uh, but an orphan. And they were donating all the money at the time to orphanages. Mm. That was their like dad's passed away. He was an orphan. He got a chance because he had a, had someone get. We're gonna sell the car. They were expecting you know. 15 to, to 18 million dollars at the time. This is Monterey auction. And the car comes up. There's the whole family, second row. They're all watching me. It's all going to charity. I'm like, it's almost more pressure. Like, because, yeah. you know, and they're expecting 15 million dollars. And the auction starts, and it was like five, and then 10, and then 12, and then 13, and then 14, and then a million dollar increments 15, 16, 17, what? 20, 22, 24, until it sold for 25 million dollars come on and and i looked up and it's, it's gonna sound this is gonna sound really corny i looked up and like they were literally all six of them the family they were all in tears wow. and i looked up and i was like oh my god i'm gonna start laughing up as well i'm in front of 500 people here <laughs> but how is that like one owner and, and and amazing incredible incredible what a but i was there it was it like the market was right it was the right time to sell it and but no, 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 what a great no, memory it was, it was all down it was all down to the auctioneer it was all down to the auctioneer Definitely, that's it's an art, isn't it? In, in in captivating that room, and it's I love attending auctions. I know in this modern world, it's so easy to sell a car online, or or, or you know, you give the, you can sign the car to somebody, make it go away. But there is some sort of there is something so magical still to this day about standing in an auction room, and we've talked about it, Miles and I, in the times that we've been at the Goodwood Revival, and if Bonhams have got the auction happening on the Saturday, it's like right, actually, let's just dive over there. And even if you're in there for Half an hour just to mm. watch a couple of cars go through. It's great and fun, that, isn't it? It's that awesome. circus, that atmosphere of people getting excited, you know, reading the room, glancing over shoulders. There's nothing else like it. In yeah. terms speaking of speaking of Subarus, actually, that when we were at that auction um, at the, the last revival, or no, it may have been members meeting. Members anyway, meeting. When they had the Subaru there, the, the tarmac car. Yeah. Um, I we'd shot a film for that car. Yes. And I was just there just to see how it went, and I was. <laughs> As it was going under the hammer, I, like, I took a picture of it like this with my phone, and then someone went, "Put your hand down!" <laughs> <laughs> so I very accidentally nearly bought um, a priceless Subaru World Rally car. <laughs> would have been a good purchase. It would have been great. Yeah, I mean, jokes would have been on them where they went. So, where's the cash? And how are well, we hoping to pay? Yes. Ah, <laughs> yes. Um, let's cut to a quick advert break. We will give our memory card a, a chance to cool down. And then when we come back, I want to explore this new chapter because I think it's really exciting to learn how you go from working for the man, shall we say, <laughs> whether his name's Simon or not, uh, to then being the man with your own business. We'll be back in just a second. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast. And we are back in the room, which is nice. Hmm. We just had a nice chat actually off, uh, off mic, which is annoying when this happens because we end up having these amazing conversations going, <laughs> oh God, I should probably re- be recording this. But, but there we are. So we were talking about the, uh, the importance of the Italian heritage and you explained, so you grew up in... Well, I, I actually grew up in... Uh, so so I'll give you, I'll, I'll give you the, the condensed mm. version. So all my family's Italian. Yes. They all live in Turin. They are all in Turin right now. Um, no one ever left Turin. It's about as Italian it is. As, it, uh, uh, as, it, as, it, as it gets. And uh, uh, I was actually born in Australia. Uh-huh. Um, my mother got onto a plane when she was about seven months pregnant. They almost didn't let her on. She right. was going to meet my dad, who was there already. Uh, so it was definitely a one-way trip. So I was uh, born in Australia, stayed there for a couple of years. Uh, we moved back to Italy for a, a year or so. Then we moved to Thailand, uh, lived in Bangkok for a couple of years. Then we moved into, into Indonesia, lived in Jakarta for a couple of years. Uh, then after that, we did Singapore. Um, then we came back to Italy for a year, then went to Hong Kong. Um, and by this time, um, I left Hong Kong when I was about 11 years old and moved to Switzerland to Geneva, mm-hmm. um, where I finished my uh, from my schooling. So actually, um, yes, I feel Italian. All my family is Italian. Yeah. But I'm probably the least. I'm, I'm sad to say I'm probably the least <laughs> Italian person that uh, that I know. But probably because of that, because I missed out on actually living in Italy. Yeah, I'm super keen and and quite patriotic about about Italy. And, and as we were saying before, like around here, anything that we can get that's Italian, it'll be Italian. It's so. Well, we, the one thing you definitely didn't disappoint on when we arrived, the first thing, the first thing we were offered. Was a coffee. There we yeah. go. There we go. Made by a, by an Italian coffee, but not not Italian man, but, an, but a coffee, coffee machine, machine that was Italian coffee machine. Yeah. Exactly. It was very authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside there was a La Ferrari, an Italian. There farm. was. It yeah. was. It, it was like stepping into the middle of Turin. <laughs> it was. It was. But, and even uh, I tried to say, to, true to tradition, I ordered a cappuccino, and it was in the morning. It was so before okay. Well so done. I was okay. going. I was going to say, yeah, we do. We do have a bit of an issue here because clients come in, and obviously we have to look after our clients. And once in a while, you get someone that comes in in the afternoon and they order a cappuccino. How dare they? And oh dear. I mean, that to point, be honest, you might want to show them out. We do. Yeah. <laughs> like, we do. I don't care you were here to buy a La Ferrari. Get out of here. We do. That's just, you yeah. know. I, mean, I believe you're looking for Romans International. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they do great cappuccinos after 12. <laughs> Pre-12, you want to be here. After 12, you want to go over there. <laughs> Love that. But you're right. It, it, it is, there is a real Italian feel to this. And we, we had a little sneak peek at your new phase of uh, your next showroom um is it a showroom or is that your kind of like collection area it's yeah it's a good question it's uh, no it's another showroom i mean it's, it's another place for for cars you know sort of 
in the future, next time you come, you'll go to the other side first. Brilliant. You'll have your cappuccinos before 12. If it's after 12, <laughs> you have an espresso. If we're feeling in a good mood, we might offer you a macchiato. Um, uh, <laughs> or if you come in the evening, you'll have a Peroni. Um, Indeed, just perfect. like an advertising and if, and if you ask for a Cornetto here, you won't get an ice cream. <laughs> no, <laughs> hey, just to be clear, he's really good. Yeah. He's been practicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have a look at some uh, some uh, some some cars over there, and then once we've finished with the coffees and the first set of cars, then we'll bring you to the uh, to the other side. Perfect. But it's worth mentioning. So that room, that, that initial greeting room, is lined with marble that's been sourced from just outside Marinello. Yeah. So uh, so we're brilliant. just saying, yeah, there we go. So the tile, the tile, the marble comes from. Uh, from, uh, from Italy, the tiles under the side come from just outside of Maranello. I mean, yeah, we just try and, you know, support Italy here. It is. Like it. And it is often said that Oxfordshire is the Tuscany of the UK. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but looking out Do the they? window here, we could be in Tuscany. I can see an olive branch just out the window here. So, you know, there's, there's, there isn't an old lady walking a load of goats around there. What's going on? <laughs> Not <laughs> yet. No, but when yet. you walk out, you might someone arrive in a panda 4x4. Four four. That's <laughs> That would just be the icing on the cake for me. <laughs> if, if, if an elderly man with a big red nose pulled up in a panda 4x4, four four, at any point, the podcast is getting stopped and I'm just going to test if I'm actually in reality <laughs> or if this is a simulation, as we're all being told. Well, we, so we were speaking... So um, can, can I make a quick phone call? Yeah. Of course. Get the panda out. Get the panda out, guys. <laughs> quick. Wheel out the panda. <laughs> Tell Dave to practice his Italian accent. <laughs> you wouldn't get that in Stratford upon people. <laughs> no. Um, we were speaking briefly about some of your exploits in Italy as well. And you mentioned uh, Villeste, which is mm. an incredible event in obviously in Italy around Lake, Lake Como area. You became quite a big part of that eventually, right? Yeah, so, um, uh, so um, I am... Um, what, when, when did it start? I guess it started because uh, one year they needed uh, Simon Kitson, who's the, the compare, the MC, back to Simon again, see your mm-hmm. pals cross all the time. He ha- <clears throat> had a graduation or he couldn't make the first day, so I was, I was comparing instead of uh, him. I do quite a lot of sort of comparing at, at events, whether it's, it's mainly concours um, as well as charity auctions. But yeah, uh, and, uh, and then uh, recently I've just, um, which is great, I've sort of become judge um, at uh, Villa d'Este. So, uh, so now I go out every year and I have the pleasure, honor, responsibility um, of, uh, of doing all the research before. It's actually a lot of work. You, gotta, you get all the details of the cars, you've got to study them all before. Um, you arrive there and you think, oh, this will be easy. No, you sit in a room with a head judge and, and they go around like, right, what did you find out about all the cars? Like before you, so it's, it's, it's quite a big, big job and a big responsibility, but it's also an honor. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, Villa d'Este is one of the top concours of the, uh, uh, of the world. It's, it's got a lot of heritage. So to be asked um, to be a judge, uh, I think is, a, is, is an honor. And it's great satisfaction for uh, for me they must obviously think i know a thing or two about cars surprisingly i, I think it's safe to say that you do by now you know i think <laughs> i think you know a thing or two yeah and, and I, exactly that and just for a bit of context for the listener um we talk about the estate it's actually the name of the hotel where it's where it's uh, where it's hosted correct beautiful hotel um and it has quite a few stories itself, doesn't it? That you, uh, but by all accounts, it was where Bernie Eccleston would uh, broker a lot of his deals and all this kind <laughs> of thing. Right? And wow. yeah, so it, it's it's like what happens in the walls kind of thing. It's mm. it's probably got a few stories to tell itself. For sure, it's one of those typical sort of old Italian hotels built in the thirties, mm. sort of actually pretty much unchanged. Yeah, you know, it's been there, and and the Concours has been going on for for I don't know since 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 the nineteen nineteen thirties nineteen forties. So I mean, yeah, there's uh, there is. There is a lot of history there in times past and probably more recently as well. Yeah, You're right. I can yeah. imagine. So let's jump forward then to the daunting, scary, terrifying, exciting 
point that you decide, right, today's the day, handing in the notice, let's get cracking with this new business venture. It's something that I think the vast majority of us and many, many people listening to this will relate to as something they've either had a go at or they've aspired to do. But that, as you said before, there is no perfect day to start. There is no day in the calendar that you can build up to and go, right, that's going to be the day where everything's going to be fine. We can leave everything else behind and just crack on with this new business venture. Talk to me about the emotion and the, the thoughts behind getting your own business started and how much of it, as you see it now, as it's laid out or as it's continuing to develop into, represents that initial vision of what you thought it might turn into. You know, I'd love to say to you, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I decided, I handed in my notice and, 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 and I just went for it. And the, the reality is it, it wasn't like that at all because, don't forget, I loved working at RM. I, I, my coll- I still speak to everyone there. Like, some of my best friends are still, are still there. I like, speak to them every week. Um, so it wasn't an easy like oh yeah I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave but it was just time I just I just I just well, as I said to you my father passing away I just thought I thought it was uh, it was time and when it came to thinking about it I thought you know what do it's time why do you want to go what do you want to do and and a couple of things for me that were important it was less is more so I wanted to deal with what I sort of touched upon it before less cars less people uh, and give more time to each car and and each person like we hugely value relationships with our with our clients and and I don't say I'm not interested in having a client that transacts with us once but we all said it was almost a failure if someone buys a car and doesn't once and doesn't ever come back then we've done we've done something something wrong in the auction business you get lots of people that pop in pop out sure it's exciting and and you might buy one car never again or just but here it's about having a relationship with uh, the clients and that was really uh, really important to, to to me so that was the the first thing and I think we have done that. We can always do better, of course, but I think we've done that really well. So we look after, we've got some really good clients now and, and we go all out and try and offer our, our, the idea is to offer the best possible service that you can, uh, you can get because we got, you know, quite a, a lot of manpower and not very many clients. So, so we, can, we, can, we can do that. So that was one thing. But before that, it was also the choice, you know, you in this car world, there's lots of people that, operate as a one-man band, mm-hmm. super effective, very efficient. Um, you know, you have your set of clients, you don't need a all big infrastructure. But certainly when I left, my thought was, I don't want to be by myself. Mm-hmm. I, I had a vision of a team and that uh, we all go running together. <laughs> we did oh, see on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, but it was, for me, it was really, I don't, I don't I have no interest in work, working on my own. It's just not what I wanted to do. I'd like to. I, I always want. I always had this vision of having a small, effective team where a bit sort of uh, maybe where everyone gets along. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes, most of the time, <laughs> we're looking nervously over at Alex. Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we've. Uh, and it was never the vision to have like this massive, huge company. Um, it was sort of you know, you can go buy a suit from Hugo Boss and it's great quality and it's fantastic. Um, or you can go buy a suit from Savile Row, and it's also great quality. And I tell you what, you know, I'll tell you the truth, probably the quality these days, mm. you know, is probably actually similar, but it's a matter of which experience you want. Yeah. And maybe someone prefers to go to Armani because they've got all of them lined up, and, and someone wants to instead go to Savile Row, and you probably get the same color suit and the same cut, but it's a different experience. So, so, yeah. so it's not that one is better than the other. But we want to give you, if you come here, the vision was to give you the, the Savile Row experience. So, and, and I think so far, we can always do better. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, it's, it's, we're sort of 
getting to to that point where we've got we we I think really do give uh, give give a good service to our to our clients and we're really super proud of that yeah. you know and we put a lot of effort into the cars that's the great thing we've got so much time to to be able to you know at an auction you've got a hundred cars and yeah. you've got to sell them in one night absolutely and you've got them on consignment for like two months and and but here we really have the time to like dig into these cars and sometimes like you know you get bad news as well you think oh Jesus mm. what did I, what did I do? Oh God, that was that was crashed. Oh, we didn't know we knew that. Well, sure. then we just have to deal with it. But at least you don't get yourself into into hot water. So so it's it's a bit like Savile Row of the car world here. Love that. That's a great yeah. analogy. Yeah. It's, uh, well, and you know, and to your point, when we walked in, rightly so, there was a LaFerrari parked outside, ready to go to a customer uh, in uh, Netherlands, whatever. But as we walked in, there are cars that are what we consider to be super, super, super rare. But Cars that are a little bit older, you know, etc. But they each one absolutely has its own space. It's immaculately presented. Mm. Even a, you know, like the is it a Group A Nissan, the yeah, um, yeah. the R thirty two, immaculately presented. Cars yeah. like that we expect to see, you know, maybe battered, battered and yeah, all this kind of yeah. stuff. But excellent versions of the cars that you have here. I mean, and I'll I can I can bore you to death with the history files. We every car that we have through here has like its own history file. We print up all the photos of the of the cars racing, or we speak to previous owners and get documentation. So we take a lot of pride in 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 the amount of effort and energy that goes. But still, like for us, it's it's also about having some fun, you know. And I, I joked before, but I I actually thought it was great. But us as a team yesterday, I'm actually I think it was our best bit of the whole week. We all went out running. It's great. Like because we we do we like at the end of the day, we, yeah, we work hard, mm. but we also have to have to. Well, so you have to enjoy at the end of the day. Of course. You know? and, and, and if we have a good time doing this, then I think it, it passes on to the client. You know, right. I always say to the guys in the office, I don't know, take a car that's out there, a, a, a 458 GTE. Nobody needs a 458 GTE Le Mans car. Maybe lots of people want it, but nobody actually needs it. So if you're going to come here and spend 2 million euros on a 458 GTE, you better be fun and you better have a, have a, have a good time. You've got to get looked after. So that's, that's, the, that's the ethos. That's, the, that's what we want to achieve. And so far, so good. If I can say so myself, or am I biased? I'm probably biased. (laughs) It seems to be working. It seems to go all right. Yeah. yeah, It seems to go all right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Sorry, John, carry on. That's all right. Yeah. um, So I want to explore then the the challenge that can sometimes be a challenge, or or maybe maybe it's not. You can tell me. The, uh, The task of consigning the cars here that you have, I'm guessing a lot are here sale or return, or the majority are here sale or return, perhaps. Um, How does that process? compare to the good old days of consigning cars at auction is it a similar practice do you get as much of a story as much of a rapport with the seller or i'm guessing maybe even slightly more yeah don't no, definitely a lot more a yeah. lot a lot more because the sellers you know we try and keep them up to date every week because it's not selling on on a certain day mm. um you know we keep them updated every week we we try and uh, let them know we, you know we, we we are always researching the cars we found at Mura, we found some great photos that the seller had never seen of the car delivered to Turin at the airport next to the first owner's plane. I mean, how wow. cool is that? So always keeping people uh, uh, in touch with what's, uh, what's happening. And you, you build a much, I would say it's a better relationship, but it's a different kind of, uh, a kind of relationship. Um, and, and the process is slightly, it's also, it's also probably sometimes can be a lot quicker, sometimes can be a lot longer, but there isn't a defined point. Often in the auction world, you put your car at auction. If it's sold, great, you get the money, and then on to the next. If it's not sold, you get it back, and that's it. So here we can really 
tailor it and, and, and do our best to sort of, you know, make sure that we get, okay, it's not selling, so what do we have to do different and how do we change it? You know, we'll, we, don't, uh, we don't give up very easily. And also, a lot of what we do, I mean, a huge amount of what we do is what we call sort of private sales. Mm -hmm. So cars that aren't never advertised, cars that, you know, people give us cars to sell that they don't necessarily want to be out in the public market because we've got the network, we've got the contacts. Yeah. And so actually, sort of almost annoyingly, because mm -hmm. <laughs> we like to shout about it yeah, to everyone. Course, you yeah. know, I mean, I mean, see what I say. In the last, whatever, four weeks, we sold a, you know, a, a 2000 Ferrari Formula One car, a three podium Barrichello winner. Wow. We've sold a 250 LM. We've sold like some unbelievable cars, but However, people like to like to sometimes some some of our clients are very discreet and, and that's why we offer a sort of a, a different service. Often people say, Oh, is it better? Do I go to auction or do I mm. it's two different things. Depends what car, depends what the situation is, depends what you want to achieve. And 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 we also help people, you know, I've got plenty of experience buying and selling at auction. So you won't, you know, you won't you shouldn't be surprised if you see me up there bidding for a car for somebody or managing helping someone, you know, sell a car. Like I've done it long enough, I know. Yeah. What you can get, how to do it, and make sure that the, you know the auction, you get the best out of the, uh, the 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 auction house and best results. Tell us a bit about for me who uh, you know I've never bought a car at auction. It's something I would probably be, admittedly be quite nervous about. What is the, I guess that's the difference with somebody like yourself or somebody like Gerardo and Co. Where you come along and you provide all this information rather than going up and maybe having a flick of a few pages something in a book. Maybe is that as far as it goes for some people when they're buying an auction? Or? Somebody, some people buy 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 an auction and they're just like put a hand up and think, oh, what have I bought? Did I thing? buy it or did I not buy it? Oh, I was wow. with a client on Monday and he was, he was, he was telling me a story how, how when I was still auctioneering and I, we were reminiscing how he was online bidding because he was in Australia and, uh, and he ended up buying a 1910 Minerva by accident because <laughs> he wanted to buy the lot, the next lot, but he thought, oh, <laughs> oh God, let me, uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, let me see if this, this online bidding, I'm registered. I just want to make sure it works. So he, he hit the, whatever the enter button with, with the bid and then he's like, uh. And then it just went on for like 30 seconds and then a minute. And oh, then all of a sudden, gosh. he said to me, you bugger, you said, sold. And I thought, Jesus, that's not the one I wanted to buy. I was just trying to think. <laughs> so um, I think that, I don't want to give, give away all the secrets, but with, with you know, Monterey was, a, was in Monterey, we were buying, we bought some cars for some clients and, and hand on heart, it was not to, I, can, I know the system, I know how it works. We saved our client on, on the, the most obvious example on a, on a $120,000 car, there's a small car that he, that he, he wanted, uh, we saved him at least $20,000. I promise you, if he would have gone there and bid himself and just done it all himself, not reading a room, you know, a bit of luck because, but we were able to, because we were there, I was able to read the room, I knew exactly who was bidding, I knew exactly what the auctioneer was doing. Like, it was like clear black, like I could, yeah, I, it was obvious. That's so that's a small car. But imagine on a $5 million car or a $10 million car. You know, you can't, you, yeah, of course, it's fun. Yeah. It's a lot of money. You've got you've to gotta know what you're doing. So that's where we can add value for, uh, for, for, for our clients. So really, for us, back to what we do is, is, is a little bit of try and offer like the complete service. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as a complete service, but try and give as much advice as, as, uh, as, as possible. Yeah, I think that, that's, the, that's the value there, isn't it? Because as you said, Miles, it is a daunting process, whether you're going in as a buyer or a seller. And I've had a, a couple of cars over the years where people have said, oh, we can, we can get that in an auction for you. That's terrifying yeah, to me. Yeah, so I'm yeah, like, yeah. but what if it sells for a pound? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's obviously not going to happen, but that is terrifying. So knowing that there is somebody there that can walk you through it, talk you through it, be that 
almost hand-holding experience of this is normal. Don't worry yeah. about this. This is what to do. This is, yeah. this is how we and, deal with you it. You know, and what, what will happen, like just particularly clients with on Monday, you know, he's, he's got 25 cars to sell. And, and I was like, right, we've, we've decided. Like I said to him, I think, you know, these five or eight, I think we should put them in auction um, because of the value, because of the quality, because of it, it doesn't really make sense to, to, in the grand scheme of things, for his collection, what works for him, mm. you know? And I, and I said to him, I said, like, these other 12, I think that I'll do a lot better, you know, like auction fees are, are big, so you gotta take everything into, into consideration. We'll do a lot better for you, mm -hmm. you know, selling. I think, you know, it suits our clientele. I can think of people that would like the car and we can make sure they go to a good home. So, uh, so it's all, it just, you've gotta give people the right advice. Yeah. yeah. Tell me, now, there's a particular car that I want to talk to you about. Well, let's which, go. Which is the, in fact, you were I believe you were driving it at Goodwood earlier in the year. Mm. The 550 GT1 car. Yes. That for Why me, do you want to go? Is that why? Is that uh, why you want to talk about it? <laughs> oh, my God. That is a car that has just... If there's a car that makes me stop in my tracks wherever I just see it or yeah. hear it yeah. or see it start up, it's that. And there certainly aren't race cars like that anymore, you know. GC3 cars are all a bit of the same now, etc. But mm. the GT1 cars were a totally different era of thing, particularly the Ferrari. And that V12 was just sounds That's marvelous. Incredible noise. It's unbelievable. I tell, you, I tell you, I'll go as far as to say the best sounding GT1 car, bar none. Oh yeah. I'm happy to put it back there. Let's we'll see some comments afterwards. See if anyone can like can outdo me on this. But there is no better sounding that V12 when it's screaming down the Mulsanne Strait is absolutely. Unbelievable. I was really lucky. I, I drove it at Le Mans um, before the 24-hour race last year. There was like a, whatever, like, like a, dem not a demonstration, but a pre-race or a, or a mm -hmm. for, for GT1 cars and LMP1 cars of that, of that era. And, and as part of that, we got pit passes. is amazing. The amount of mechanics and people and drivers that came out and said, oh my God, what has happened to Le Mans? What has happened yeah. to our race cars? Why don't they sound like that? Like, I've never seen so many of the teams, of course everyone's on the grandstands, what, but the team members and the drivers out there listening, they just wanted to hear it. They just wanted to hear, it is absolutely phenomenal. And then, to bring it back to Le Mans, um, uh, where, you know, well, I mean, a 551 won its class, Le Mans was on pole position at Le Mans, that our car was, was, uh, was driven by Colin McRae nice. and Darren Turner at, uh, at, at Le Mans. It, what, for, for a car guy to be, you think, is this possible? Yeah, I'm yeah. at Le Mans in a 550 Pro Drive, and I'm actually in like, the, I'm not doing the real, but like I'm the proper circuit with hundreds of thousands of people watching because it was before the 24-hour race. I mean, what an experience! If you, yeah. even if you don't like cars, that must be amazing. Even it's, my wife said to me, like, yeah. it's pretty cool, right? I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in the diary. It's in the diary. Yeah. Chalk it down. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's a car that's just, it, as you say, you know, it, 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 the attention it attracts. Um, it looks magnificent, you know, it looks like a proper race car, sounds like a proper race car. Uh, and I would encourage, I think there's an onboard, a very short onboard yeah. of you driving it. And it's, it's just a few laps of, uh, of the Goodwood circuit. Yeah. And it's, it, I, I could watch that time and time and time again. It's, yeah. it's, 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 and, and, it's, and it's still, it's manual sequential. Yeah. So you, you know, I love that feeling that you, you've got to tug on that, uh, on that, on that gear shift because you're moving the cogs. Yeah. It's not yeah. like a little yeah. flick of a paddle and then there's some computer and hydraulics and they, no, you, you are the one that is going to move from the cog from second to third. And on the way down, it's quite busy. You're sort of on the way going down through the gearbox into the corner. You know, you've got to brake. You've got to put the clutch down to save the gearbox, down the gear, blip the throttle to rev match. You're actually, mm. as crazy as it sounds, you're actually quite busy, but it's fun. And when you get it right, 
oh, you feel like the king <laughs> yeah, of the world. I mean, it is, it is, it is. And when you get it wrong, you think, oh my God, it's going to be expensive. But, um, <laughs> but it, it is an amazing, amazing experience. Really yeah. amazing. You both mentioned a couple of key things when talking about that car, which have brought back some memories of me. So I'm guessing this was the parade at the members meeting beginning yes, of the year that's right. when it went past. And it just so happened that I was standing there, one of the evening parades, it was just as the sun was yep. going down. It was all looking very romantic and beautiful. And I was there with a very close friend of mine, Tim Hutton. We were talking about Tim, Alex and I just, uh, just before we started recording. And Tim and I were standing there and we both made the same remark, which is, isn't it amazing how different all the cars sound? Mm-hmm. And of course you go to a modern day Le Mans, you go to a modern day, even, even just a, a GT race or, Everything sounds so similar. Mm. Everything is a six or eight cylinder turbocharged engine. They all make a farty noise as they drive past. <laughs> yeah. the, the collection of noises that went past in that parade were just amazing because you had everything from the old Corvettes rumbling along. The scream of the V12 sounded in- incredible. It's just, it is a theatre that we don't see anymore, sadly, because of course everything is now about what's the most efficient, what's going to go the fastest. Oh, but they all sound the same. Ah, but that's just how it is. And you know, coming back to, to you know, we, we own we own that car, and and that's something that that has sort of no price, and that we decided that uh, we thought um, it was a great thing to own because financially it was going to only appreciate. Mm. Um, we've got a good handle of the market. There was now the racing for it. It's a very satisfying car to drive. It's the right brand. There's, there's a whole number of reasons. And, and, and actually, something that we sort of do now or can do now is that, is that we have some clients and they do want to get involved and say, like, what should I buy? And it's not so much, you know, comparing again to the, to the auction world where you should buy whatever's next for sale. Whereas since we've got more time uh, and a little bit like we did with the Subarus, like, you know, I, I've got a Subaru and we believe in them. We organize the sort of our clients go out. Lots of our clients have bought them. Everyone's done really well out of them. Everyone's had a good time. So that's something really like for our good clients. Um, uh, we're not, we don't hesitate to call up and say, right, I, I really think this would be a good car for your collection. I think the price is right. We've done all the research. And so you have with us, I think, I, not necessarily everyone that call, walks off the street says, hi, Richard, bye. But once you're a client of ours, I think that's one of the things that you really give them is, is advice on what to do going forward sure. um, not just like being reactive as to what do I have for sale and what should we sell you know there's a lot of like you know um, we're just in the middle of, a, of, of, of selling a really big Ferrari and it, and it and it really makes sense for this client in his collection because I know what he likes I know what and he's like yeah I just thought you're right I should I really should have it and that's something that's also really satisfying um, that people probably don't see from the outside world but we do really a lot of is it not really curating collections, but just trying to give the advice to, to people to write, this is, I think, what to do, and to make sure that it's the right car, it's the right money, that you're not going to you know, lose on it. I'm not saying we're not here to make people, ensure that people make money, but if you get the right advice, you're, people are investing millions, many, many millions. I mean, talking 10, 15, yeah. you know. So it's big decisions. Yeah, completely. Do you have cars that if an inquiry comes in or there might be a, a message left and this is Mr. Smith and he has a insert car here, is there certain things that still really get you excited or are there certain models that you haven't had yet that if that phone call came in, is there one car in particular that you think, my God, I'd love to sell a? You know, I mean, listen, the, 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 I, always, I always get a little bit excited when there's an Italian car, <laughs> Italian, <laughs> um, Italian car involved and, and I've been super lucky. I, I, you know, it, lo, most people say that everyone would like to sell a GTO or be involved mm-hmm. in the sale of a GTO once in their uh, in their in their life. I've been really lucky that I've auctioned one. 
I've also sold sold one uh, uh, privately as uh, as well. Um, I spent a lot of time uh, driving one. So I have to say I have been so so lucky that not only I've been involved with so many different cars. You know, all all the cars that uh, that are like I can't say that there is one that I haven't uh, haven't haven't sold yet. Um, maybe one day a punt. You know what? I've auctioned one, but I'd like to like to rehome or find find the perfect, the best 250 Testarossa. I think that's uh, that's something that I uh, that I you know what I do that I would. Someone calls. Unfortunately, it, not very often that someone just calls. Hi, I've got a 250 Testarossa <laughs> yeah. that I'd like yeah, to yeah, uh, yeah. like to sell. <laughs> I mean, I've got a lovely uh, one tenth scale of one at home. If, <laughs> if that gets you on your way, start. I'm, I'm happy to hand it over. Yeah. Building blocks, building blocks. <laughs> so, where do the majority of your inquiries come from and cars come from? Is it word of mouth? Is it people that have just known you over the years for the Thanks to world? the most amazing marketing and Instagram that Alex um, does for our, uh, for our company. He's blushing. He's, He's blushing. blushing. <laughs> <laughs> the brochures that we do, the email blasts that we do. Yeah. Um, it's a combination. Uh, so there's almost like two sides to the business. There is one side which is inquiries that people see. Social media is, uh, is uh, we try and give a flavor of what we, uh, what we do, what happens behind the scenes. Our, e our website, our e-blast, that's sort of one side of the business, mm. and then the other side of the business is, oh God, how long has it been? I don't know, 25 years of working with cars and relationships. Um, uh, I mean, some of our, not to disappoint Alex, but some of our best clients, I don't think they even know we have a website, or they don't even look yeah. at our website. Yeah. Um, uh, it's more of, uh, of, right, Max, what are we gonna do? What, are we, what should we buy, what should we sell, where are we, what's next, or, or what do you think I should, uh, I, I should do? So there is a, it's a combination of, uh, of, of both. It's a stark contrast though, isn't it? And I've discovered this in talking to a few other people that have made a business from buying and selling cars and, and the amount that can happen through social media and the idea that there's somebody somewhere, let's romanticize it by saying that they're on a yacht docked in Portofino Harbour and they're having a look through their Instagram reel and they're scrolling down and oh there's a car that's popped up from their suggested for you page and it happens to be something they've always wanted and oh look it's for sale with Gerardo that can lead to an inquiry that can lead to a sale and just think that that can happen just from somebody opening up Instagram if you'd have questioned that 15 20 years ago you'd have been laughed out of the room wouldn't you the idea that somebody might see a photo of something on their phone and go oh I wonder if it's for sale oh it is okay cool I'll make a call put a deposit down and then buy it it's, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah. Like the way technology has changed our uh, uh, our business. I mean, I love talking to the old boys and they're like, oh, you know, I used to go and get, you know, uh, Auto Trader magazine or whatever it is, Trade in Mark or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I used to go and try and get, be the first one to get it so I could flick through and see if there was any e-types and I'd be the first one to call. And, 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 yeah. and you know, um, David Cottingham always tells, uh, from, from DK, does, tells the good story about like how he, how he go and buy all the XK120s, but he'd go to the <laughs> printers to get, get it before it went out to everyone, before he could, he could call people a day before the <laughs> magazine actually, uh, actually, uh, actually comes out. Uh, and you know what? As crazy as it sounds, it's sort of the same now. Yeah. Like, you know, people want to know before. And, and quite often, you know, we'll call clients and say, look, we've got this coming. It makes sense for you. And, and, and I think people really value that. You know, you, yeah. you get offered the car, offered the opportunity to, uh, to buy certain cars before it goes to, uh, to, to, to market. Except now it's, uh, it's, it's not the, the, the classified magazines. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of that. You're sneaking into the printers and going, oh, can I just 
Proofread read that, please. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, 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 write phone. down the phone number. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pay phone, drive yeah. over. Yeah, exactly. Leave a deposit. <laughs> so, Max, give us a bit of a flavour of the, uh, the Gerardo perspective, if you will, for maybe what this looks like for maybe the next you know, five or ten years. Because, mm. as you say, people, are, people invest in them as, 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 as they do now. They're not just investing in stocks, they're investing in assets, particularly cars. Yep. But they're obviously the people that are buying them because they want the cars. You know, guys, like... The, most, and I say this so often, the most important thing, the, the thing that keeps our business alive, the, the, the best thing, we are so lucky. Let me give you a practical example before I tell you what it is. If you invested, pick a number, 100, a million, a million pounds in stocks, and I called you, and I was a stockbroker, I don't know anything about stocks, um, disclaimer, <laughs> and I called you and I said, your stocks are going to go down by 5% overnight because of this announcement. So, you know, what do you want to do? And then uh, you can buy them back again tomorrow, uh, hopefully, for um, sell them today at full price and hopefully buy them tomorrow by for 5% less. You'd probably be like, great, great, sold, gone, mm. finished. If you were the same, the same conversation, I said, you know, your, your, your Ferrari 275, which is like 2 million pounds, is going to go down by 10% because there's going to be an announcement of a recall. I tell you what, I will, I will stick my neck out. 90% of my clients will say, yeah, that's great. It's my 275. Mm. I don't want another one. Love that. They're not, it's, it's my car. I've, I've restored it or I've owned it for, for, for 15 years or, yeah. but it's the one that was, you know, delivering you to my hometown or it's the one that I remember. So, so our world is, yes, people buy them for investment and everyone wants to make money and it's great. It feels great, right? You buy a car for 100,000 pounds and oh good, look, it's worth 100. By the end of the day, it's passion that drives it all. And that keeps, keeps the market so strong. You know, look at Goodwood. No one's there to, to you know, invest. They're all there to use the cars because they love them. And the passion that we have in our world is phenomenal. And, and I think most people undervalue how important it is to the classic car world. Yeah, hugely, yeah. And we had some really, we had some fascinating conversations. Well, obviously you yourself as well at Revival. Um, we spoke to the likes of Peter James, who was racing the Mark One mm-hmm. um, Jaguar in the St Marys. And the story with that was he had, uh, as a kid, basically seen a red Mark One, yeah, um, and had always dreamed of driving one, racing one at Goodwood. And sure enough, the car was built, and there it was. He was doing that just to live out basically a child- childhood dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another inside story was that him and uh, Theopathetis always would race, basically they wanted to race together, and whoever would lose would have to buy a magnum of champagne in London. <laughs> and it turns out, Peter James just, just chipped him on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so the bill's on Theo this time. But there were was, there was some fascinating origin stories like that. Yeah. People, it wasn't just, oh, you know, I've heard Goodwood was a good event, so I'm going to turn up. Mm. They've wanted to do this for tens of years. And isn't it great? Yeah. I love that. that. That is great. And I think, I think, you know, we talk about the market, and we talk about where the prices are going. And listen, there's always fluctuations in the market, not... Not all the cars are going to go up forever. Things will change, you know, fashion changes, generational change. Everyone talks about, you know, generational change and like the modern cars. Well, see, I've been in this business too long. You know, I, I always I always think, I, I, to me, an F40 is still like a modern car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex is much younger. He's like, no, that's an old thing, right? <laughs> um, the modern cars are doing, uh, are, doing, are doing particularly well because it's what the new generation remembers. Yes, there's always going to be changes, but... The main thing is that what, what nobody ever talks about is the passion. And because of the passion, people aren't always going to just sell for make more money or people aren't going to sell if the market goes down. You know, take, take, take me. I mean, I'm in the business and you could tell me that, that, that 
it's funny actually. You could tell me that my Alfa Romeo Z is going to go down to like one. I know it's it's not really realistic. Go down to one pound. Yeah. And mm. would I sell it? No. But but the flip side, I had a client in here on Saturday. Actually, the owner of the 300 SL AMG that we talked about. Yeah. And he said to me, I told him the story of the SZ. He's like, that's amazing. He said, tell me something, Max. Would you ever sell it? I said, no. And he said, what did you pay? I said, oh, it was, it was about, about whatever, 100,000 euros. He goes, if I wrote you a check now for 200, you sell it? I was like, no. Would you sell it if I wrote you a check now for 500,000? I was like, no, it's my, my car. I was like, what about a million? I was like, that's a lot of money. But no. <laughs> but that shows like... Show me the money. Yeah, yeah show me the money. <laughs> yeah. Is that a wire like now? Like, <laughs> but you know, that, that does, the passion makes a huge difference to our market. And, and thanks to this passion, thanks to Goodwood and the Millimilia and Villadeste, I think that our market is, is sort of super healthy. Like there is so many people that want to do so many things and so many experiences with these, uh, with these, uh, with these cars. However, you know, not everything's going to keep on going up. And, and as I say to, to all my clients time and time again, buy the car because you love it. Yeah. Buy it because you're going to use it. Buy it because it's what you always wanted. Buy it because it completes your set, whatever your personal reason is. But please, please, please don't buy it because you think you're going to make money. Like yeah. that, that shouldn't be, don't make me wrong. You want to buy it well, you don't want to waste yeah, money. Of course. But your main objective should not be buy it because I want to, uh, uh, I want to make money. Absolutely. It's like artwork on the wall. It's some, something I've, I've dabbled in a little bit over the years with artwork, and it's always the same rule of thumb. Do you, are you buying that work of art because you can picture it looking great in a particular part of the house, or are you buying that because you're hoping that in 10 years' time it might be worth five times what you spent? Because you, you know what happens? If you buy it because you think it looks great on your wall, yeah, and then someone, a bit like Maya said, someone comes along and says, and you paid... 10 pounds for it and someone says oh I'll give you 15 and you think but it looks so good mm. I don't want to say and so you know what happens then you end up making much more money than you think yes. because you don't sell it because you love it unless someone gives you yeah. a crazy crazy amount of money 100% That's it. yeah That's it. Uh, my, my own my smaller version of that was the the, the M5 that I own I, yeah. I, I was still working at Bentley Motors at the time and again I was at, I was like earning decent money it was like sort of 25 how old I then 24 I've had it 5 years now um and uh, and I had a bit, had a little bit of cash, but not much. I thought, well, what do I buy? I had like sort of ten thousand um, pounds. And what do you, you what do you buy? You buy a hot hatch, or do you buy <laughs> uh, do you, do you put it towards finance or something else? I didn't want to do that. And I'm thinking around, what was it? And the story of the M5 was that my dad uh, at one point he was a he was a finance he was a financial advisor, and then obviously when the excuse me sniffling here, I had a bit of a cold last week. <laughs> um, Market crash. He lost. He didn't. He didn't do that job anymore. And he went to go and deliver cars for uh, Sitners and Graypool. So they would go and buy cars, obviously, off uh, off clients. Put them in the showroom. One of them was an E thirty nine M five, and he picked me up from school in it. And I remember thinking, looking at it, going, "Well, it's just a the five series BMW. You know, like, what 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 more do you say?" And he started it up, and I was like, "Oh." This is quite different. <laughs> sounds special. This, this. Quite, sound, this sounds yeah. quite special. And we went for, I remember vividly going for a drive down to Bardell's Island in uh, Nottingham and thinking, this thing is unbelievable. And then when you hit the brakes, I went, oh no. <laughs> 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 oh dear. It's a BMW M5. Anyway, and that was, that was how I sort of learned about the car. And there was, a, there was a guy who was selling one and he wanted 12,000 pounds for it at the time. I was like, I just don't have that much money. Um, so sorry anyway two years later he was really needing to buy a house and he went I really need to sell the car I went hmm this is good timing <laughs> 8,000 pounds I'll give you now <laughs> yeah. so so I gave him 
nine and a half. <laughs> so I think I was doing quite well with it. And I got a brand new set of Michelin Pilot Sport 4s with it. I was thinking, okay, we're doing all right here. Anyway, I bought the car just simply because of that story. And I just really, really wanted one. And they happened to be very, very cheap at the time. Mm. Now they're not. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, but still, you know, I have been offered good money for it in the past. And I do not want to sell it. It's still, it's, it's, it's painful at times because, you know, things go wrong. It's a, mm. it's a 2000 car. It's 20 years old now. But there's not really a lot that would push me over to the edge to the moment where I go, do you know what, let's, let's move it on. So the passion. Passion is, is. Uh, is what drives our business, what keeps the values where they are. I can't ever see a crash. It's actually quite a safe place to have some money because I can't ever see a crash in the market because the passion is not going to go out from one day to the next. I've even got clients that say to me, we like there to be a crash because then I'll buy all the cars up again. <laughs> yeah. But that just shows to you that if the prices go down, I can list you a whole bunch of clients that would want to buy a Daytona or a Miura or because we're like, oh, that's good value, mm. you know? So, uh, so passion. It's passion true. It's, it's the one thing, I think, if there was a strap line to this podcast or even just driven in general, it would be that we are so lucky. And I've said this time and time again, anyone that's listened to every single one of our episodes is probably going to know the script of what I'm about <laughs> to say. But it's the fact that we are so lucky that the industry we're in is passion-led. We're all in it, whether we're in it to sell cars or buy cars or service cars or arrange cars, logistics. We're in this industry because we love cars. And that is so unique. That is so unusual. There are very few other industries that we can work in and pursue a career in where everybody else in it is there because they're passionate about the product. You might see it a little bit with fashion. You might see it, I guess, a little bit in equestrian activities, if that's the kind of thing you're into. But otherwise, anything else we're doing in life is just a job that happens to have a particular focus. Mm-hmm. But with us and our world, we're so lucky because we're here simply because we love cars. The three of us are sat in this room right now for no other reason really than the fact that we like cars. Exactly. And, and that's, that's it. I, I, I came for the coffee, to be honest. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's, a really, it's a really, really special thing. So before we start to wrap things up then, I'd like to, and I know it's an impossible question to answer, especially quickly and easily but we are looking at an ever-changing world of automotive especially with new cars you know we're working towards deadlines albeit flexible deadlines as we've recently (laughs) discovered but deadlines where we're no longer going to be able to go and buy a car powered by petrol or diesel that to a huge number of people is a a really vital factor to what makes a car special it's the bit that comes to life it's the bit that sounds good and smells good and gives a real atmosphere to the experience of driving what is your future vision? You know, thinking, thinking about the kids, for example, who might pursue and go, right, that's it, Dad, we're going to take over this business from here on. 40, 30, 40 years from now, what do you think that car world's going to look like? And are the cars that you've currently got sat in the cattle shed, as I keep calling it, <laughs> are they still going to be as special as they are now? Do you think the, the next generation of drivers will appreciate those cars in the same way that we do? Look, you know, actually, I think that they'll probably appreciate them even more. Today, uh, yeah, we're all worried, probably, us that love car lovers, up in arms, oh, electrification, or or whatever, whichever route we're going down. But, you know, I always give the example of the turn of the century, you know, not that everyone remembers, I was going to say, cast your mind back, (laughs) you know, 1900s, there was everyone, everyone, everyone could afford it, to get around, would walk or go on a horse, right? Horse was like... Horseback was, uh, was, I don't know, I, I watched lots of Western movies and they, they seem, the cowboys seem to arrive on horses and they tie them up outside the pubs and go in, for a, go in for a pint. And then at some point, somebody came up with his invention, which was a car. Yeah. And I bet you, 
there wasn't podcasts at the time, but there was probably three guys in a pub thinking, God, what's going to happen to our horses? Yeah. It's going to be over. This new thing, this car thing. It's all like, there's not going to be water troughs outside of pubs anymore. Where are we going to like water our horses and so on? And, you know, and the car then came in. It sort of took over, if you like. But think about it now. Think about, think about the horses now. And, you know, like you, you mentioned horses before. The amount of horse racing there is, yeah. the amount of horse rides that there are, the amount of the amount of the, the industry is still thriving. And I'll, I'll I'll go further and say maybe they're even more special than they were a hundred years ago because Completely. because it used to be a thing that you would just have to move from uh, point A to point B. I'm sure there was probably I don't know, probably racing as well, and there was, but now it's it's and and it's a huge 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 industry passion led um, uh, world of horse riding. And I you know what I think the cars might follow a similar suit and maybe you're right you're not going to no longer you know if, if you if you need to move from a to b you will probably no longer use a petrol engine that's 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 probably uh finished it's going to be an electric car i don't know if, if electrification is, is going to be 100 percent the way forward and it sort of kind of makes sense but when it comes to do a race when it comes to do goodwood when it comes to do uh, an event a rally a tour i think that these cars with petrol engines will definitely be around for ever and ever and ever and they might even become more special because because all of the little one you, you won't be able to you know very few people go to I, I don't see anyone taking any kids to school on horseback anymore um, uh, and it'll be the <laughs> no. it'll be the it'll be the same thing so I think the yeah. future is definitely definitely there there'll be I've also heard oh you know there's not going to be any more fuel yeah but it seems like synthetic fuels are, are definitely making great you know, great progress, and 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 it seems like I mean there was uh, there was the Bentley boys from uh, from Medcalf. They ran all their Bentleys on synthetic fuels at yeah, Goodwood. Absolutely, fantastic. Yeah. So yeah. so there is a solution for the fuel, um, and the cars will be used. You're right. You're not going to take a petrol car to go from A to B. And and I was at a great talk um, by oh my goodness, Mate. What's the name of the guy that owns Rimac? Yeah, Mate. Mate Rimac. Yeah, yeah. you're right. And uh, and we I went to I went to an event in in Saint Moritz, and uh, and he came in his latest Bugatti obviously he owns or they own yeah. somehow Bugatti right and someone in the panel said you know sort of question and answer like oh is Bugatti going to go electric and what's going to happen you know you're in Rimac you're in Bugatti he's like no Bugatti's not going to go uh, electric right now but he said make no mistake electrification is happening mm -hmm. that is happening however fun cars will remain with petrol engines and we will still use them and I thought that was actually yeah. very telling and very smart for him very to uh, so, say yeah. so am I worried for them sorry long uh, long explanation quick answer no not at all Perfect. They're going to become even more valuable and even more special. Well, I'm going to sleep easier tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, next time you come here, you might have to come in an electric car. But that's because it's, you know, A to B and you just have to move your kit. Yeah, I can assure you that won't be happening. <laughs> <laughs> Mars is probably the most dead set person I know who is just not going to get, find himself in an EV anytime no, soon. No, no, that's for sure. Um, but that was, a, that was a beautiful answer because I think it's the kind of thing that people really need to hear, want to hear. And it is... It's true. I think you're absolutely spot on. I think there is this almost bizarre hysteria with a lot of people that seem to think that the man is going to come and take away our car and take away our fuel and we'll have nowhere to fill them up. But that just isn't the case. You know, there's bizarrely a new housing development that I live on at the moment. They're building a petrol station at the end of the road. Can you believe <laughs> that? A one to three. And it's just like, uh, you know, somebody told me, oh, they're building a petrol station at the end of the road. And I was like, well, surely you mean an EV 
charging. Pe- no, it's an actual petrol station. These cars aren't going anywhere, and for many, many years, there's going to be a huge overlap of even the day-to-day stuff, let's be honest, yeah. mainly because Miles is just not going to give up. There'll, <laughs> there'll be one last 320D driving around, <laughs> and it'll be Miles. <laughs> this is such an exciting diesel car as well. Exactly. I mean, if it, if it was an Audi R18 diesel, I think, okay, you know, but, but the last gallon of diesel is going to go in a 320D. I'm a bit sad, actually. <laughs> but it'll, well, be driven, it'll be driven very well. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's say that. Uh, but yes, you're right. I, I, I think that is a really wonderful thing to, to hear and perhaps even a, a, a perfect way to end that you're pointing out that the future isn't as tragic and as upsetting and as terrible as a lot of us are being led to believe. It's, or it's actually great. They're yeah. going to be more special. Exactly nice. that. It's going to yeah. be even better. Yeah. Leave the fuel, leave the, the crude oil based fuel for the stuff that really needs it. And exactly. your Vauxhall Zephyrus and your Vauxhall courses and I'm taking a really attacking Vauxhall there, I as I frequently do. Sorry, actually. Vauxhall owners. Yeah, so <laughs> you like a Zafira, it's fine. <laughs> I, nobody driving no, a Vauxhall listens to this podcast. We okay. <laughs> I don't mean that. I'm sorry, everyone that drives a Vauxhall. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the, the kind of generic cars that we are using for our day-to-day stuff, as, as you say, they're, they're going to become obsolete. Therefore, the fuel is saved for the stuff that really matters and the stuff that does come to life and put a big smile on our faces and makes a big difference. For some people, that might be a Vauxhall. Fair play to you. <laughs> you crack on. Uh, for now, though, I think we'll, we'll probably wrap up, if that's okay. It's been absolutely wonderful to, uh, to have this opportunity, as we said. We, did, we didn't even reference the fact that we talked about this initially at the Goodwood Revival, which was only that's a true. few weeks ago. Uh, but, yeah, we were chasing you around an assembly area with a handheld microphone, so it's quite <laughs> nice to be sat down a bit more relaxed in slightly more comfortable clothing. And, um, yeah, really great to see this amazing facility, hear your amazing story, and... You know, it, it, it feels almost cliche to side off and go, we wish you all the best for the future. We know it's going to be amazing. We know mm. that the future is going to be incredible. So just keep doing what you do. Listen, you'll have to come back and check in on us and see if it's uh, going, uh, yeah. going, uh, going well. And then uh, and yeah. we, can, we can also check in on what's, uh, what's happening with electrification and, uh, yeah. and 320Ds. See if Miles has got himself an EV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for now, I will say thank you so much for listening. As ever, we really appreciate uh, any minutes you give to us. If you've made it this far, then you've made it to the end and that is uh, incredible for us so a huge thank you we will include the links in our show notes below you'll be able to see all the details of Gerardo and Co including some links through to the social feeds if you're not already following it's probably a very good time to do so there are some amazing photographs to enjoy there mainly thanks to Alex over there who's sitting in the corner very uh, sheepishly keeping his head down but uh, <laughs> thank you Alex for all that um And of course, don't forget, you can see everything that we do on our website, driven.site. Head over to the website. You can see the entire back catalogue of podcasts there, as well as all the written articles we do, the videos that we produce, photographs that we take, and just general news stories that we like to show each and every day. So thank you so much for listening, Miles. Thank you as ever. Thank you very much. Max, a very sincere thank you very much. Pleasure to have you guys here. Grazie mille. <laughs> ah, anche lui parla italiano. Just keeping it quiet the whole time. <laughs> see if it can, see if it got brought up. Um, Is that all you took away from your week in coma? See, and <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Aperol spritz. <laughs> yeah, too much of that. Uh, yes, thank you so much for listening. Thank you both, and we look forward to bringing you more of the same in about seven days' time. Goodbye. The Driven Chat Podcast, powered by Paramex Digital. Oh, wow, you've made it to the end. The 
very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.